everybody. Welcome to another edition of Journey of Hope. Glad you could be with us today. The Journey of Hope is a podcast that's especially designed to address the issues that men and women face after incarceration. Anne Rudolph, a retired psychiatrist, is going to be our guest today, and we're going to be talking about unmet, legitimate issues in our life that may be affecting our behavior now. And Anne is going to give us some information about how to address that. We're going to do that right after this. I'm Rodney Mathers, and you're on the Journey of Hope. You can catch me at MathersRodney at Yahoo.com, M-A-T-H-E-R-S-R-O-D-N-E-Y at Yahoo.com. Let me know how you're doing. and welcome back. My guest today is Anne Rudolph. Anne is a retired psychiatrist, and we're going to be talking today about unresolved issues that may have come in our childhood, maybe some sort of trauma that affects the way that we behave as adults. And Anne, can we, first of all, welcome to the Journey of Hope. Thank you. Can we start off just getting a little bit of information about you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, when I was in medical school, I would get very distressed by what I saw around me, all the suffering. And I was praying, why? Why are these people suffering so much? And I started hearing their souls tell me why. So I call myself a soul listener and help people to hear their souls. I see. Well, let's just go for full speed right out of the gate here. Um, what is the relationship between some sort of childhood trauma and like incarceration? Where is that relationship? What is it? Well, let me first talk about trauma, what it means to me. It's a, a stress that overwhelms our coping mechanisms. Okay. And I find most people in our nation have post-traumatic stress because of all the trauma that we've experienced as children and adults. And some of this trauma occurs before we even have the ability to talk about it. And I leave off the word disorder from the official term because to me, it's an injury, not a disorder. Okay. And I simplify the symptoms of post-traumatic stress by putting them into two categories. People with post-traumatic stress automatically recreate their trauma. That's category one or they automatically avoid whatever reminds them of their trauma. That's category two. So why this is so important is so many people who have committed crimes have post-traumatic stress and are acting out past crimes that have been perpetrated against them, or they're acting out crimes that they've witnessed, but they may not remember. Okay. Well, you've opened up a couple of areas there that I'd like to go into. But just real quickly, I want to ask you, we're not going to stay on this, but I'm curious what you think about prison being, um, the the prison experience being something that could induce 
post-traumatic stress in someone? What what, what are Absolutely. your thoughts on that? Absolutely. Thank you Absolutely. for saying that. <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. Yeah. Okay, good. Now, you say that a large percentage, well, you didn't say this. I'm just assuming that that people in prison, a large number of them have probably uh, experienced some kind of trauma in their past. I mean, is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. And they act it out. This is the way a small child communicates that uh, something happened. Like one time I was in church and there was a little boy who ran up and slugged his mom and said, this is what Jonathan did to me in church today. And the little boy wasn't malicious. He was showing what happened. Right. And trauma makes parts of us stuck at very, very young stages of development, especially when the trauma is overwhelmingly severe, chronic, just horrific. We get stuck at that age in part. And so that part acts out the behavior of that psychological age, not the body's physical age. Okay. And I'm assuming that this could be the, the trauma could be like anything from physical abuse to maybe some sort of verbal abuse. I mean, is it is it that yes. kind of a range? Yeah, whole range. And what I find most people don't pay attention to is the human life-threatening trauma when we're treated as less than human. And that happens a lot because we're asked to follow protocols, payment plans, all sorts of procedures rather than what's best for this particular human being. Interesting. How does, let's go to adulthood now, and and so what would be your guess on the number of people that have experienced trauma that um, are having behaviors as a result of that as an adult, but they don't know that that's what's going on. I mean, is that common? Yes, I think nearly everyone has had some serious trauma because I can look at the developmental age where people are in part, they're stuck at these young ages. For example, they can't see the difference between a story and reality. There are a lot of stories being passed around as news, for example, when they're they're not news. There's someone's hopes, wishes, fantasies, whatever, but they're not news. They're not real. And a lot of people can't see the difference. So that tells me they themselves are stuck at a young age in that part of themselves. And so is would it, would it hold to say that the more severe the trauma was in the childhood, the more severe the acting out types of behaviors would be in an adult? Yes, absolutely. And the more control we have as well as far as the more um the less trauma the more control we have the more trauma the more we're stuck let me give you an example okay um you talked in one of your podcasts about waiting two hours in line for the yearly renewal of your <laughs> driver's license yeah. mm-hmm. and, and you mentioned that when they required a birth certificate uh, the birth certificate to get the actual license you became angry yeah And you said on the podcast that you were careful to not jump to conclusions and let your emotions get the best of you. Am am I remembering your experience correctly? Yeah. (laughs) Well, these sudden strong emotions and tendencies to jump to conclusions can be symptoms of post-traumatic stress. Mm -hmm. We perceive present circumstances based on what's happened in the past, and we react emotionally based on what happened in the past. And we have fixed beliefs based on what's happened in the past. And our actions then tend to be based on the past 
rather than what's actually going on in the present. So anytime we're frozen in a particular way of feeling, thinking, or acting, we are showing unresolved trauma, mm -hmm. assuming a person doesn't have any underlying medical condition that explains it. Why is it then that some people can experience trauma and they seem to develop the coping skills that are necessary to be, you know, a productive adult and, you know, not go to prison and other people can't do that. Other people don't do that. Is it the severity of the trauma or what is going on there? Yes. I find that once trauma reaches a certain severity, everybody succumbs. It's only human. But what some people do is they put these most severe traumas in their unconscious mind. They pretend they're not there. They create a new character, a good guy, that um, if they remember the trauma, didn't bother me, or if usually they don't remember it, if it happens at a young age particularly. Mm -hmm. And so they are in denial of how much trauma they've had, and they're not aware that some part of them is acting out, recreating their trauma. So, and this is very important because yeah. these people that have put their trauma away can be very judgmental of those who are acting it out. And we it, see this in society, all the judgment. Is this what forms our impulse control as we mature, um, our inability to cope with whatever has happened to us? Well, impulse control comes with maturation. Mm -hmm. So if we're having trouble with impulse control, say like in a particular area, like with an addiction, mm -hmm. that part of us is stuck at a young age. So again, if a person is not conscious of their trauma, they've disassociated off that part dissociation. Mm -hmm. You put aside the part that's been traumatized and forget about it. That part will have impulse control where the normal character that the person now identifies with will not have impulse control problems. So how, how would an adult even know that something that happened in their past um, is affecting them currently? I mean, if they've compartmentalized that and they don't recognize it, think about it, obviously talk about it, how would they know? Is there a way for people to find that sort of thing out? Yes. Um, you've heard of an animal who's threatened, responds with fight, flight, or freeze. Right. Okay. So we humans are animals, and we also respond to threat with fight, flight, or freeze mechanisms. So when we react in this way in the present, when there is no threat, then there must have been some threat in the past that we'll, we're still reacting to, oh, of which um, the present circumstances remind, are reminding us. So we can just look at where people are suddenly threatened, they're angry, they're getting belligerent, they're attacking, mm -hmm. or they're withdrawing, or they're frozen. They will not change their utterly uh, rigid belief, no matter how much evidence you can give them to the contrary. Hmm. All of this rigidity like wearing a mask? Evidence. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, if there's no flexibility, for example, right. this isn't actually a good example because 
everyone having to do something rather than let's look at the individual and what that individual's needs are. Mm -hmm. That's post-traumatic stress when everyone has to do the same thing rather than more individuals. Everyone's needs are unique in what they need to grow and develop and become who they're here to be. I've been very open about the fact that when I was coming out of prison, I went through a little bit of therapy and the, the doc told me that I had PTSD that, Mm -hmm. um, and I had never heard anybody apply that to someone because of prison. And, uh, that was a big eye opener to me. And I was glad to hear you affirm (laughs) that that was because I've had some people say, nah, you can't, nah, uh, uh, but uh yeah okay now let's let's switch gears just a little bit here and i want to talk about so you've got uh you're you're an adult who's been incarcerated and you're out and you know that there was a trauma that happened in your past let's talk about how to fix that what would be your recommendation on i'm sure there's no quick fix but what would you recommend someone do in that situation Well, what we have to do is notice, first of all, these automatic strong emotions, automatic thoughts and beliefs, and automatic actions. And then we work to stop ourselves, calm ourselves down, and find that trauma that we're still reacting to. Mm-hmm. try to make it conscious and we usually need professional help for this mm-hmm. because so many are unconscious mm-hmm. and we grieve we put those emotions where they really belong to what happened in the past we allow ourselves those strong intense feelings with plenty of support around us and we allow the beliefs that came out of it we can have beliefs like Oh, I'm, I'm no good, or the only way I can get by in life is just to give myself temporary comfort, try to make the pain go away. Mm-hmm. And we choose behaviors that are appropriate to the present and not based on the past. Mm-hmm. I think that um, addiction is also seen along those lines in that using something as a crutch other than, you know, just dealing with things head on is often the easy way out and that's why you know that's why people drink or smoke weed i think um yeah i've actually written a book uh called with every addiction infants are trying to meet their needs and it's about how early childhood traumas can cause a part of us to be stuck in infancy in our emotional and mental development and these infant parts bond with whatever has been consistent whether chemicals like alcohol and cigarettes or physical violence or emotional abuse. Wow. <laughs> so I believe all addictions are ultimately brought on by trauma. Let's back and addiction up. is the way the infant part has learned right. to numb the pain. Let's back up just a little bit. And you were talking about, you know, learning to recognize these emotional type reactions. And do, do you have some techniques that people could use to maybe when they notice this stuff bubbling up to kind of, I don't know if suppress is probably not the right word, right? But to deal with it, what would you recommend people do? Well, I recommend being aware that it's coming from a young part of our souls and 
pick up a pillow, a doll, stuffed animal, whatever, as you would a child, and talk to that young part of yourself. I get it. You had something really traumatic happen, and you're still reacting. And reacting's normal. That's human. Every child reacts to let someone know there's something wrong. So to be that mature adult that can embrace that child and say, tell me what happened. And I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm not going to put you down. I'm not going to say it didn't happen. I would never do such a thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to listen and I'm going to hold you and I'm going to respond with my most mature humanity. Recognizing that there's something in our past that contributed to our behavior that got us incarcerated is not the same thing as, you know, like pushing the responsibility of what we did onto other things, right? I mean, ultimately, we're responsible for our behaviors, despite the fact that there's something horrible in our past. Am am I right about that or not? (laughs) What do you say to that? Let me give you a personal example. I I came to this understanding because I had a father who engaged in many criminal activities for which he was never officially held accountable. Mm -hmm. And I wondered why he did so many hurtful things. And I eventually grew to understand that he was just recreating his many childhood traumas that he thought didn't bother him. But he was compulsively recreating them with those that reminded him of who he once was, his own children. And so, yes, he was responsible for his behavior, but at the same time, it's post-traumatic stress is an illness, it's an injury. It's anybody in those circumstances without a corrective experience is going to recreate their trauma. Mm -hmm. So in that, we always have compassion. And I look forward to the day when we have a trauma-informed society which includes a criminal justice system that's knowledgeable of post-traumatic stress. And prison workers could then seek to help inmates to remember the crimes they recreated and express the strong feelings they still have about these traumatic experiences, such as anger or rage. Right. And they could help them to realize what beliefs they picked up from these traumatic experiences, like I mentioned. So that until we have that trauma-aware society that's looking for traumatized people in schools and prison, everywhere we go, seeking to remedy it, we as a society are responsible. If you just lock people up without addressing why they ended up there, you're really not doing anything. And as a matter of fact, you're probably making it worse. worse. Would, Would you say that... Um, let's just take sex offenders um, specifically. Would you say that um, that's a common thing among people that commit that sort of offense, that they experience some kind of trauma in their childhood related to like a sex offense? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, But it's not an excuse. You know, it's not an excuse. We still have to take responsibility for what it is. We do. Listen, I feel like we just scratched the surface, Anne. I've enjoyed talking to you so much, and but we're out of time. Um, how is there a way people can can contact you, and how do we find you, and all that kind of stuff? 
Yes, I'd like to recommend my book, Healing um, What the World Needs Now, Healing Trauma in Ourselves and Our Children, which can be found on my website, annredelps.com. Mm-hmm. And my contact information is there as well. Excellent. And we will put the link up for that when I post the podcast. And thank you so much for doing this today. We really appreciate your, your input. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Okay. We're going to take another quick break, and we'll be right back. I'm Rodney Mathers, and you're on the journey. Hey, have you had a success story in your reintegration? Have you run into some problems that we haven't talked about on the show? Do you have a guest that you'd like to suggest? You can always contact me at MathersRodney at Yahoo.com. That's M-A-T-H-E-R-S-R-O-D-N-E-Y at Yahoo.com. Drop me a line. I want to thank my special guest today, Anne Redolph, and I want to remind you that if God is for you, who can be against you? We'll see you next time right here on The Journey of Hope.